We are starting a new series this morning called uh, I Love My Church. It is our stewardship series. Um, uh, we used the same thing last year. We'll use the same theme uh, probably in coming years. Um, before we get started, last year when I used this, I got some emails. The church doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Jesus. I know. I, I'm not claiming that it's the church of David Payne. Most of you would not be allowed in that church. But... Uh, <laughs> This is the church of Jesus Christ. It is, we are the bride of Christ. We were won by His sacrifice, by His life, death, resurrection. Uh, we are called uh, into relationship with Him uh, to follow and be obedient, to come together as uh, church bodies, as church families to serve Him. What we're celebrating in this is that this wonderful privilege that God has taken the, the thing that he's going to use to benefit the whole world. The, the church is the hope of the world. But he, he doesn't just see us as uh, workers. He doesn't just see us as instruments to be used, but he blesses us in the midst of that. We become a part of a family. It's what we celebrate when we, when we get baptized, that we, we are entering this family that belongs to the kingdom of heaven. But we become members of churches. And, and Christ shares that with us. And so, yes, it's the church of Jesus, but this is the church that I love. This is the church where I'm serving. This is the church that blesses me. This is the church that showed up at Mount Wesley. This is the church that, that does so many good things within our community. What we're celebrating is our family here today. And we're doing that in stewardship. And typically when we talk about stewardship, everybody goes, oh, no, money. Money's a part of it. We're not going to spend much time on it. Here's, here's my spiel. There's, uh, uh, pledge cards out there. Um, if, if you would like to make a, a, a pledged gift to the church, I think it's a great stu- uh, spiritual practice. It allows you to make a faith statement that you're going to be committed to the ministry of the church. It allows the church to have an idea who is, how to expect that income, uh, those Cards are available. You can bring them anytime between now and the end of the year. Uh, drop them in the, in the offering box. Send them to the church. Uh, but that's between you and God, what you want to do. And when we only make stewardship money, we are missing a whole big part of what stewardship is. Stewardship is actually the le- taking God's gifts, the things that He's blessed us with, and then leveraging them for the kingdom of heaven. That's what we are after in in our stewardship is a recognition of who we are and how we can serve God. If you are a member of this Methodist church, you committed to seven things. A profession of faith. Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? And then as a part of this local church, are you willing to to share your prayers? Your presence, your gifts, your store, your service, and your story. Prayers, presence, gifts, service, story. Those five are our stewardship ideas. That's how we take the benefit of a church family and, and uh, serve one another and then unitedly serve those in the community. That's how the church is the hope of the world as he takes broken people fills them with his spirit and with love and then sends them out into the darkness to to shed light in the midst of the darkness. 
Membership is a big deal now with all of our stuff rolling around and everything uh, and upcoming decisions. You know, members are going to be the ones to vote on that. Uh, just a note on that. Uh, if you think you're a member, but you don't ever remember coming up, you may want to check on that. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, the, the old American Express thing about membership has its privileges. We're not a country club. Membership has its responsibility in a church, right? And that's what those stewardship ideas are. Uh, if it, it, it is a way for us to hold each other accountable and to encourage one another in that. What we're going to talk about today is uh, the first two of those, prayer and presence. Prayer and presence. Prayer is a very, uh, I mean, we are so familiar with prayer, even the secular world talks about prayer, right? People that don't believe in God, agnostics, people who are uh, violent against the church in a, in a tragedy will, will want prayers, right? We understand the need for prayers. But in a community, prayer is more than a Hail Mary. Prayer is more than a sort of self-help uh, conversation with God, a counseling conversation with God. It, prayer in the church is a corporate thing. We practice it privately, but it has corporate results. I hope all of you have a quiet time in which you spend time praying to the Father. But I also hope that your private time with God is not just about you. That there is, that there is a sending out of your spirit for those around us. Uh, for those that we're in relationship with, our love of God forces us into a love of people. You can't love God if you don't love people. And prayer is the language in which we engage the power of God. Let's look at James chapter, chapter 5. Beginning in verse 13. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come over and pray for you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human as are we, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. He must have been in central Texas recently. Uh, Then when he uh, prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. So in this early church, James, brother of Jesus, uh, one of the leaders of the church, is admonishing the folks that this part of this relationship, part of this uh, one another thing, and the Bible is, the New Testament is filled with one another things. It's it's not me and God, me and Jesus. It's not me and my little buddy Jesus. That Your personal relationship with Jesus only sends you into community with others, right? And part of this one another thing is pray for one another. Are you sick? Pray. Are you happy? Pray. Do you need something? Pray. Are you overwhelmed? Call the elders of the church. 
Have them come over and anoint you with oil. Pray. And when that happens, you will be healed. Prayer is a powerful thing. It's one of the greatest gifts that we can give to one another. To pray for one another. It, so sometimes many of us grew up in the church and we have such an elementary idea of prayer that we, we forget just how powerful it is. We, we, we fall into our little devotional habits that we say our little five minute prayer or read our prayer at the end of our devotional and then we're on for the day, but we're called to pray without ceasing. And a part of that is praying for the family that we are a part of. I don't know any of you that have had to walk through darkness or difficulty. Isn't it a wonderful thing when you know your brothers and sisters in the church are praying alongside of you? I mean, that, that is a powerful thing right there. Even without knowing, when, when, when someone can make a call or, or send an email and say, hey, this just happened, can you pray? And, and you know that that's going to go out to church people. There is such a comfort in that. Even people that don't go to the church love to know that church people are praying for them, right? We haven't talked about it for a while, but we have a prayer chain. Um, Brian, I think there's a slide on that towards the bottom. <laughs> if not, don't worry about it. Uh, but our, our prayer chain goes out every Monday. It is, uh, it is just a list of names that are shared in our registration book or, or sent into the office or that we learn about. We send that out every Monday. It's just an email distribution list and then people pray about that. If you would like to be a part of it, it's really, really simple. Uh, send Sarah Lohmeyer an email. And, uh, or call the church office and we'll, we'll add you to that distribution list. It's not, it's not some big ideal, big hard commitment thing. It's basically taking an interest in your church family and then committing to pray for them. It's not a, it's not a gossip column. Uh, we don't share all the details of everybody's life. We pray to a God who knows everything. We don't have to give him all the details. So you're not going to get all the breakdown of information on private secrets. And that is also more inviting for you to be willing to share requests with us. I know we're all so private. We don't want anybody to know your business. We all know you're screwed up. Just go ahead and admit it. We'll join you in praying. All right. But the prayer chain. We also have a group of ladies that come on uh, Monday. Is it Monday? Tuesday. Tuesday mornings. They gather here at the church uh, and, and they pray. It doesn't have to be ladies. Anyone could come and join them. And if you'd like to commit that, you show up uh, here at the church and they'll be in the chapel and, and, and you can pray along with them. Uh, there, there's other ways that we can do prayer and there's other prayer ministries we have uh, that aren't as organized. But this whole idea is that we are to pray for one another. We to pray for one another. There's a passage in here, if, if you're overwhelmed, call on the elders of the church to come over and anoint you. And, and for uh, many years, and, and I think misinterpreted, people considered that, that if there's a, pas- if, if there's a pastor, the pastor has to pray, right? Um, actually, contextually, in that first century church, uh, the, our form of church and pastor didn't exist. Elders were uh, people who, in established faith who served and were in leadership. That was uh, that was the the elders of the church. It's not the pastor. I, mean, I, I I know I'm a pastor, and so anywhere I go, I'm the designated prayer. 
right? Uh, if, if you're at dinner with me, pastor, can you say a prayer? Okay. Yeah. But anybody could, right? And, and the funny thing about that is I'm not, there are so many more people in this room that are more passionate and better at prayer than I am. But all of us have a power in prayer. In fact, it goes on to say the powers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. How do you become righteous? You make sure you come to church every week. Not, no. See, that, that's, that's works theology. No, we're, we, we serve a God of grace. You know how you become righteous? You accept the gift given to you by the Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ, who gave his life for you. It's faith in Christ that makes us righteous. Paul, Romans chapter 4, Abraham believed God, obeyed God, answered the call, and therefore it was reckoned unto him as righteousness. His obedience, him, his following God made him righteous. Our giving our faith in Christ makes us righteous. Anyone who has a, a belief in Christ, anyone with a relationship with Christ, you have just as much power of prayer as I do. Don't, if, 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 if our church and our ministry is relegated to the prayers of a pastor in order to be effective, we, we're not going to be, we, we, we need to shrink our membership down to about 20. Because otherwise, but it doesn't need to happen because we all have that power. We can be praying for one another. And wouldn't you rather have the prayers of lots of people rather than just one idiot? Right? Yesterday, um, uh, Paula Hardy, who's one of our, our, our members, she, uh, uh, she's in a wheelchair. She's usually here. Uh, she's in the hospital today. They, they had to take her in. She's having some problems. She'll be in there for the week. She called me uh, yesterday morning right before the, the Harvest Festival and, and told me what was happening and asked if I could come. And I said, I'll be there later. And so uh, after the Harvest Festival, Lori and I went over there and you know Paula's always so direct and as I walked in she goes finally you show up and I was like I know but but as we are as we're talking and stuff uh what we found out is that uh in that time between when she had called me and when we showed up, uh, Susie Ruggles had been over and visited her and Susie had contacted the Sunday school class who was praying for her. And so by the time I got there, it was redundant, which is the way I want it all the time because the church was being the church. There's this idea that, you know, there's no special power in my prayers. it, It just, it doesn't need to be a pastor to pray. The fact that a community loves you, I think is, is powerful. There, there's there's such a power in that we pray for one another. In in this current trail we're on with the Methodist uh, question and stuff, uh, in that we need to be praying for one another. We're we're in this time of prayer till May. We need to be praying. We don't we don't have to we don't have to do it the way they're doing it in Houston or Louisiana or or anywhere else. And I know some of you have friends and places that have done this and that and this and that. We don't have to. We there is a will for this church that we are seeking, that we are praying for God to make plain. But we need to be praying for one another. 
If it, if it becomes who's the loudest voice in the room or, or who, who has the most influence, then we are not being a New Testament church. If we're listening and discerning for the voice of God, then no matter what happens, we can do it in a way that honors him and where we love one another. We pray. Are you happy? Pray. Are you sad? Pray. Are you sick? Pray. But pray. Pray for those in need. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Confess your sins to one another, it says. And, and again, we're so individualistic, we don't want anybody to know our business. And we're not asking you to stand up and tell us your deepest, darkest. Please don't do that. But you've heard me talk about before having valued Christian relationships that have trust and accountability built into them. That's what our discipleship bands are about. That's what a lot of our Sunday school classes do. That's what a lot of our uh, Emmaus reunion groups do. That you have a a group of trusted friends that you can share your heart with them and they're not going to judge you, but they're going to support you and, and, and pray for you. It's powerful. If you're to read to the end of that chapter, it says that if, if any time we pray for somebody that has uh, gone off the rails and they come back, the celebration in heaven is immense over that. And many sins are forgiven because of that single prayer. Prayer. It's such a simple thing and we often sort of just skip by it in our, in our responsibilities and being a church member. But, but this is one of those things we can do for one another. We, we, we long to belong to something. It's one of the basic human needs is to belong and to know that people care. We, we talk about assimilation programs and how to get people into the church and everything. There is nothing more powerful than the power of relationship demonstrated through loving acts. Pray for one another. Second one is prayer, uh, presence, presence. Not present like Christmas. Presence, being there, showing up, right? When I was in Kentucky in a seminary, I worked in a little church in Lebanon, Kentucky, and uh, uh, the, the folks there uh, would have ribbons of church attendance and like some of the old guys had like 75 years of perfect attendance in church right and they wore those proudly and if you were gone but you brought a bulletin from another church they'd give you you could still count that right (laughs) and a lot of you grew up you know being expected to go to church well Coming to worship is one thing, but I want to expand your idea behind just that. Certainly this is important, and this has changed. Even before the pandemic, church attendance was going downhill. Once the pandemic happened, Kerrville's uh, doing better than most of the nation, in our, especially this church, in our bouncing back after that and getting back to in-person attendance. But uh, over the pandemic, with the emergence of digital ministry and stuff, there's still a lot of folks that have just decided not to come back to church. Where there's situations where that is that is uh, that's important for them, and I'm so proud that we have a a quality digital ministry that makes that available. And if you are gone, you can you can still connect with your church family. But as many of us experienced in that in that first year of shutdown around uh, around the pandemic when we couldn't come to church, we miss it. It was funny to me, some of the people, 
I was getting emails from people that maybe came to church every six months saying, when are you going to open the church again? I was like, how did you even know you was closed? You're never here. But <laughs> but we, we recognize for the first time in our history how important it is that we're here for one another. And it, it's not that it's... It, so so many times I hear people say, well, but I can worship God on my own. And da, da, da. Yes, you can. I'm not going to argue that. But you're giving up a gift of community that you can't get by yourself. It's not just about what you're missing. It's what we're missing when you're not here. Right? If we are the body of the Christ and part of the body is missing, there's a, there's a hole in the body. Parents, I, I used to make fun of my mom about this, and now that I'm an old man, now, now I, I understand it. Holidays coming up, and you get all the kids in the house, all the grandkids and everybody in the house. Doesn't it just feel better? You know, when only one shows up, they're usually the one you don't love as much, and it's still, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm joking. But there's just this, thing that when 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 they're when we're all together there's an energy that you don't have and and now that i have adult children it's just this neat thing that i get to have adult conversations with my kids and and see how they're being formed and how they serve and how they think and how they're trying to make a difference it's just a blessing and and it i look forward to those times because it's just good for the soul that's what church presence is about. There is something that just happens when we're there. There's a, there's a gift in the grace of God for simply being here. It's, it, it, it's, it's one of the most simple ways for us to honor our relationship. But this presence, and not just here. If, if this is all that you do in our church, I'm glad you're here. And we want you here, but you're missing out on the greater life of the church. Sunday school classes, ministries, uh, outreach opportunities, all those kind of things are going to do so much more to give you purpose and meaning that when, than we can do just sitting in rows here. What we do in circles is much more powerful than what we do in rows. Let's, let's read from Hebrews chapter 10. Begin verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good work. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Showing up. This is first century church. In just this generation, we had gone from Acts, where at the beginning of Acts, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. Then he pours it out on Pentecost and people speak in languages and the fire of the Spirit was dancing over people's head. And this big conversion of 3,000 people began to move out throughout the region and the church was being formed. You get to Acts chapter 4 and the first vestige of what church looked like is, is described for us there. That they were, that they were, they would meet together and they shared all their stuff together and they, they prayed together and had, and had fellowship together. That was the church. And within a generation, there was folks already breaking 
away from that. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, folks, you're, you're forgetting some of the most powerful thing we do. We need one another. We, we, we need the corporate team. It's, in reality, what people are looking for, it, this is why if the church could get out of being hateful to the world, we're exactly what the world is looking for if we're loving the way Jesus loved. A place to belong, a place to have meaning, a place to have purpose, a place to be encouraged. That's what this is meant to be. We come together out of the world to be encouraged so that as we go back out into, into the world, we can, we can share light and be encouraged with that. He says, encourage one another. And the day of Christ's return is coming closer, so we ought to be even more vigilant about it. There is a power in presence of just showing up. You know, Astros won the World Series last night. Uh, right? Yeah. We got, we got a supporter right over here, right? <laughs> Do you remember, um, Baltimore Orioles, uh, third baseman, uh, shortstop, uh, Cal Ripken. Uh, that's back in the day. He, he owned the record for most consecutive games played. His, his biggest distinction, he wasn't the most athletic, he wasn't, you know, the fanciest like Ozzy or anyone like that, but, but he showed up Every day, whether he was hurting, injured, sick, tired, he showed up every day and was celebrated for that. There is a power in just showing up. Brian, the other slide about visitation. We, if you are looking for a place to help in that, visitation teams are a place for that. It's just folks willing to, to go over to our hospital. It's not like a daily thing. You can pick a day a month or a day a week or whatever your schedule is about. Go, we, we, uh, you go over to the hospital, check in with the folks that are there. Uh, if you're thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, I don't even know what I would say. That would be awesome. Because we don't need you to say anything. We need you to just show. Right? We show up. Those folks want to talk. Let them talk. We listen. You don't need to go over and, and, and bless them with a lesson. Just go over and listen to their story. You can go serve communion to some of our shut-ins once a month at the end. Of, if you're interested in that, again, call Sarah. Send an email. We'll get you signed up on that team. It's, it's such a simple ministry, and it is so powerful. The ministry of Jesus Christ is meant to bind up the brokenhearted, make the lame to walk, and the blind to see. And we do that metaphorically when we show up and show out for folks in our community. Present. Just showing up. I've got a a video I want you to watch, and then I'll come back and and comment on it. It's the Barcelona Olympics. And that young man was a uh, 400 meter runner. Uh, this was the final race. He was a, a easy expectation for the gold medal and all the qualifying heats meet leading up to the finals race. He had uh, by far the, the, the quickest time. It's something he'd trained for and been ready for for a long time. And as you saw in the middle of the race, he's hamstrung and falls to the ground and can't continue. But after all that work, he was not going to just let that happen. You see him get up and try to struggle to the 
to the finish line, but it's just hard and he can't do it. And then you see out of the stands, that guy emerge and fight off security and go up and put his, his arm, that was his dad who had come out of the stands. And you could see the security freaking out like you can't be here and this isn't the way we do it here. And you could see him if you could read lips. I'm not going to say the word he said on the first one. But on one of them, you can say, say, that's my son. And he just puts his arm around him and escorts him to the finish line. And as I watch that, I, to me, this is a perfect picture of what we're talking about this morning of what the church at its best is, the world will hamstring you. And it hurts. And you're going to be left crippled and not knowing how to move forward. There's going to be times when you need someone. You need prayer. You need support. You need somebody to show up for you. Somebody to fight for you. To stand with you. Dad couldn't take the pain of the event away, but he could give him dignity and support in the midst of it. I'll take it a step farther. Not only did Dad show up, but for us, the Holy, our Heavenly Father shows up. And, and Satan's always trying to get in and get in our business. And, and just like that Dad, God's like, leave him alone. He's my son. Leave him alone. He's part of my body. Showing up. Praying for one another. There is a power you can't imagine. And many of you in this room have experienced that power of how important it is to have people show up and care.